And it is interesting to me that throughout life, we have to sometimes do things that seem pointless in order to get to a point where we can do the big things. So think about this for a moment in school. If you went to school, you would know this. Like, who uses, if, if I was in Afrikaans and English school, so I had Afrikaans and English as, as languages. Like, who used that? I use that. I speak Afrikaans and English every day, right? But I'm a pastor, so guess how much I use my math? Not a lot. Like, every now and again, when I have to measure the length of a cable, I'm like, okay, that might be a bit of math. But I don't really use that. And it frustrated me in school because I'm like, why did I have to do all these weird subjects that didn't help me in life? But what we don't realize is those subjects were preparing the way you think, were helping you to think more strategically, to think <clears throat> in, in ways that you wouldn't have thought about before. Same when you go to university. Whatever you go and study, you don't just do subjects for that specific narrow field. You do all these random things, and you're like, why do I have to study philosophy when I'm studying theology? Because it helps you, it prepares the little muscles so that you can lift the, weak, the big weights later on. The same for your car. If you buy a new car, it always is like, that's your model, and then it's got all these little abbreviations behind it, like ABS, EBD, FC, KQI, I don't even know what all this, some of it I just made up. But it's like, what, what's all of that about? The moment you get, you're on your way to crash into another car and you hit the brake, then you're thankful there was three letters ABS and another three EBD behind it, because that helps your car to brake and to not just slide over the tar and crash into another car. So a seemingly pointless thing had a big feature, a big purpose in your life to, to do something incredible. I don't know if you've ever read this, these crazy um, research that they've done about making your bed in the morning. I don't know who of you makes your bed every morning. There's some people who make it like first thing in the morning, and then there's other people that get up, they go to work, they come back, and they sleep in the bed exactly the way it was when, when they got up, right? But there's actually been research done that if you make your bed in the morning, something that seems pointless because I'm getting out just to get back in in a couple of hours, when you actually make your bed, it actually increases productivity because your mind goes through this thing where you're like, I've ticked one thing off my to-do list, so your mind is better prepared to do something else. And there's a whole bunch of research done about making your bed. I'm like, talk about pointless research, but it's not. So throughout life, we have to do small things every day that sets us up for the big successes. And today, this is what we're going to be talking about in, in, in today's topic. We Get this on. Our topic today is go big with the little things. And today we're going to talk about our faith and how we sometimes have to do little things in order to get to the big things that God has planned for us. This series is about growing our faith, about trusting God more, about expecting bigger things from God. And, and we said that in the past two weeks, right? Let's expect more things from God. Let's not settle for anything less. And then in the next week, last week, we said everything you have, God can multiply to what He wants. But what is our role? That's all kind of like God's role. I trust Him for more. I trust Him to multiply what I have. But what is my role in this whole, pro whole process? Like, what can I do to grow my faith to a bigger place? And today we're going to read from um, 2 Kings, 2 Kings 5. And I'm going to give you a bit of background first. <clears throat> but 2 Kings 5... Um, if we, we can't read the whole chapter, but the chapter is about a man named Naaman. Naaman was not an Israelite. He was not part of the people of God. He was part of the enemy of Israel. 
And he was the commander of the king's army. And he was quite a famous guy because he led this king's army to numerous victories in battle. This guy had it all. He, he had fame. He had fortune. He had slaves working for him. Everything in his life was so good except for one thing. He got a disease that if you had that disease back in those days, it was the end of you. And that was called leprosy. Leprosy is a disease that attacks your skin and can attack your muscles and everything. But at the end of the day, people, when it gets really extreme, literally the body parts start rotting off. So you lose fingers, you lose your nose, you lose your ears, everything. And, and it was so bad. No matter how much money you had, no matter how famous you were, this was your future. You were kicked out of your house. You had to go and live on the dumps outside the city gates. And you had to rely on someone remembering you and then bringing food to the outside of the gate, leaving it there for you so that when they close the gates at night, you can go and get the food so that you had something to eat. These people were outcasts because it was a very contagious disease. There was no way for it to be healed. And Naaman, although he had everything going for him, he had leprosy. But he had this interesting person in his life. He had a little girl that was a slave that they got from Israel. And this little slave girl knew that her master had no other option. So she went to the, the wife of this man and she said, why don't you go and see this prophet, this man of God in Israel? So why don't you go to a prophet of a God that you don't serve in a country that you actually hate? But this guy was so at the end of everything that he decided to go. He goes into Israel. He goes to the king of Israel. He's like, can you heal me? The king of Israel goes crazy. He's like, how can I heal you? Like, are you trying to declare war? What's going on? Okay, so that's where we're going to start reading. When Elisha, that we're reading about, we're reading all about Elisha's life in, the, in, in these five weeks. When Elisha heard about that, Elisha sends a messenger to the king and he says, send Naaman to me, I will help. And that's where we're going to start reading today. 2 Kings 5 from verse 9. And a little to the side. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Now, remember, this is a famous guy, right? He's, he's used to people giving him all the attention. But here what happens now. Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, Go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me. And stand and call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the spot, and cure me of leprosy. Are not the Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So we turned off and went off in rage. Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more... When he tells you, wash and be cleansed. How much more when he tells you a simple thing, a little thing to do? Why can't you do the little thing, but just, you, you would have jumped for a big thing? The name and listen. So he went down in verse 14 and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times. And as the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. When I read this story, the part that we didn't read but that I told you is, I see a couple of people in the story 
that had to make small choices, that had to do little things, but that could impact them in a big way. I read about a man that has to make a small choice of whether he's going to take the word of a little slave girl to go and find healing in another country. I read about a girl that should have said, yes, I find joy in the fact that my, the people who took me captive, the people who hold me as an as a, as a object that, that don't appreciate me, that doesn't love me, that doesn't care about me, I'm literally an object. I'm as low as the dogs in the house. She should have found joy in the fact that her master was sick and was going to die, but she makes a little decision, and that is to tell her master about the God that Elisha served, and for her, that little thing led to a big one where finally her master found the living God. I read about a king that has to make a little decision. And in that moment, his decision is, I cannot do something about this big problem. He thought he had to do something about it. And that little decision almost led to a huge thing where they almost declared war against another country. And then I read about Elijah that has to do some amazing work to cure a man of leprosy, an illness that there was no healing for, and he just decides to do one little thing because he serves a big God. He just sends a messenger to go and tell Naaman, go and wash yourself in the river. It's that simple. So it's all these little opportunities, these opportunities where people had to make little choices. They had to choose something small in order for something big to happen. And this is what I want to start off with today. I want to tell you that there is, no matter what you're facing in life, there is potential, um, Gavin, can you move the slides for me? Something is not moving. There is potential in every situation you're facing in your life to do one of two things, either to draw closer to God or to draw away from God. There's potential in every situation, but the choice is in your hands. So this is what I mean with this. If you are faced with a situation like this little girl, you could have made the choice to say, I'm going to draw away from God's purpose for my life. I'm going to hate my neighbor instead of love my neighbor. And, and I'm going to pull away from God. And I'm, I'm kind of going to choose the opposite direction and move away from God. Or you can make the right decision to love her neighbor, to love her enemies the way Jesus commanded us to do, move closer to God, and at the end of the day, a big thing happened. When you are facing a difficult, a dark situation in life, you've got a choice to say, God, I hate you for this situation. I hate the fact that I'm a slave. I hate the fact that I'm sick. I hate the fact that I'm struggling financially, and I'm blaming on you, so I'm going to move away from you. That's your one option. The other option, the potential is also there to move closer to God, and that is to say in bad situations, God, I am in a tough spot. I am a slave. God, I am sick. God, I am facing a financial crisis, but I'm going to choose to pull closer to you, to do little things in my life that will pull me closer to you because I trust that you can do a big thing that no one else can do. That's in bad situations. But the potential, I didn't say is in every bad situation. I said it's in every situation. You see, in a good situation, a lot of people do this. A lot of people say like, man, I went to church. I prayed about this. I, I filled in prayer requests. God came through for me in a big way. I did the little things. Now I'm good. And you never see people again after they got the promotion at work. They don't give more. They don't, they don't serve more. They just kind of like, I, I'm in a good spot. I don't need God right now because I can take care of every need I have. 
Every, in every situation, even in the good ones, there's a potential to pull away from God, or there's a potential to come forward to say, God, thank you for answering my prayers. Thank you for coming through. Thank you for doing something big in my life. And I'm going to step closer. I'm going to lean into you. I'm going to raise a hallelujah. I'm going to praise you. I'm going to lean into this. The potential is in every situation, but the choice is in your hands. And these people had all these little potentials and the little decision, the small choices that they made led to seriously big consequences. At least the king's one didn't lead to a big consequence. At least they didn't go into a war back then. But I want to ask you today, what choice will you make in whatever situation you're facing? We said, let's trust God for more. We said he can use what you have in your life and do something big. But what if it doesn't happen? What if it doesn't come through? Or what if God did come through for you today? What choice will you make? Are you going to make a choice to lean into God, to put little steps in place in your life that will move you closer to God, that will grow your faith? Or are you going to make the choice to put little steps in your life that will move you backwards away from God? There's this old saying that goes like this. If you feel far from God, ask yourself who has moved. Because let me tell you who didn't move. God didn't move. You know how I know he didn't move? Because when everyone pulled away from God, he did a crazy thing and he sent his son to earth. He sent his son closer to us to die on a cross because he's like, although you guys are running in the opposite direction, I'm going to pursue you. You see, we, we serve a God that takes the initiative in moving closer to us. So when you feel far from God, ask yourself who has moved. If your faith, if your faith feels stale, if your faith feels, feels like it's pointless, what have you done to draw closer to God? You're saying like, I'm praying, but my prayers are hitting the roof. I'm in church every Sunday, but it doesn't feel like Christianity means anything except for maybe tradition. I'm going to ask you, what little steps did you put into place to move closer to God? And a relationship with God is not that difficult. You can just process any relationship in your life. Okay, let me give you an example. How do you know the difference between a couple that's dating or engaged and sitting in a restaurant versus a couple who's been married? How do you know the difference between the two? Let me tell you, the couple who's dating or the couple that's engaged, they will stare into each other's eyes. They will share their milkshake and like suck up the pasta from two sides. You know that old funny like Disney thing. The couple who's married are like, Let's read the news today. Like, what happened? I've got nothing to say to you. Do you know what the difference is? The difference is this. The distance between you moved. Because at the beginning, you did simple things like you couldn't wait to see the other person. Like, after work, you would rush to, to your girlfriend's house to see her. You would, like, sneak out and steal your dad's car. I'm not saying I did that. To see a girlfriend. You would do all kinds of crazy things. You would go ice skating together and, and actually hold her hand. And you would do all these crazy things that would draw you closer together, buy her flowers and say you love her. And then we get so used to each other that we stop doing the little things that brought us closer together. When we think about our relationship with God, it's not always the big crazy moments where you feel like God's spirit like just pouring down on you. That's not the things that sustains our faith. The things that sustain our faith are the little steps that we need to put in place. So what can we do? You're here today and you're like, man, I want to go big with my faith. I'm trusting God. What is my role in this? What little steps can I put in place so that in every situation, 
the potential, I will choose to go towards God instead of choosing the potential to go away from God. What can I do? And we read a couple of interesting points here from the life of Naaman and, and this amazing miracle that Elisha did. In verse 11, we read um, just before this that, that Elisha tells Naaman, if you want to be healed. So by the way, Elisha doesn't come out. He just sends a messenger. He's like, I'm not even going to speak to Naaman. So he sends a messenger, and this messenger speaks to this very important person who's used to everyone like running towards him and falling down on the ground before him. This, this servant comes, and he tells him, go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. He's like, you mean the muddy river? The little shallow one that you, that's, not, that's really like ugly? Like, we've got two nice rivers at home. And they've got, they heat it. They've got little bubbles in them. Like, that, that's a good river. So that's where I want to be. I don't want to be in this dirty one. And he gets so angry. He gets so angry because he has to do the little things in order to see a big miracle. And I'm like, why didn't Elisha just wave his hand? Why didn't the the servant just go out and say, you are healed? Why didn't Elisha just go out and say, you are healed? Because I think if Elisha went out and he told Naaman, be healed, and Naaman was healed, he would have probably thought that Elisha was some kind of a magician or a miracle worker, and he would have maybe, and he brought a bunch of gold and stuff for Elisha that Elisha at the end of the day denies. You can go and read the the rest of the story. But he would have worshipped a man instead of worshipping the living God. You see, so God said, I'm not going to do the miracle, I'm not going to do the big thing in your life before I've prepared you with the little things to realize who I am, to see the big thing. Why do you have to wash in a dirty river? Because God said there's some little steps that you have to put in place in your life before you can see the big things. We get angry when we don't always get what we want. Just like Naaman, we, we turn around, we storm away, and we're like, if I have to do that thing, I'm not going to be part of this. If I have to, to serve in church, if I have to read my Bible every day, if I have to pray, if I actually have to spend some time with God, like hearing Him speak to me and talking to Him, and I have to do all these things, if I have to wash myself in that river, I'm out. I want the big miracles. I want the power of God to, to flow. But you see, often God requires the ordinary from us, the little things, because most of the time, often the ordinary, the ordinary leads to the extraordinary. I remember a couple of years ago, whoever's here in the front was there with us. Um, we had we had these sea camps at a mountain in Durban with high school youth, and we were five churches that did it together. Two hundred fifty youth went to these sea camps, and it was insane. Like, we worshipped, we had fun on the beach, we went crazy. They made all kinds of crazy videos. I'm going to show you Quibbers' video one day where he's running around dressed like a pink tooth fairy. And we had so much fun. But there were these deep moments building. We, we, every morning, the children had to do Bible study. Every morning, we had a session. Every evening, we worshipped like, like, like crazy people, and we had a session. And we challenged them, and we had these stations, and one of the last evenings where we where we encourage them to put themselves in a position where they would encounter God. And at the end of the day, these 250 young people, out of them, like maybe 100 would walk out of there, and they're like, my life is changed forever. I experience God in a way I've never experienced Him. God did miracles at those camps. 
And the life of those young people changed. And then they started coming to church and started reading the Bible. And God was filling them and amazing things started happening. And then some of them started to just drop away. You see them less at community group. You see them less at church. They, they stopped posting things about God on their Facebook. It starts going back to the bad things. It started going back to all the things they did before. And then next year they go to the camp again. Like, whoa! Like, this is so amazing. Look at God. I experienced Him again. And I'm like, Why? Why do we have those moments at a conference? Why would, do we have these moments at camps where we feel like God is super close, where you get like chicken skin, get all these little bumps on you, and, and you feel like you, you either get hot or you get cold, but you're like, I can't, can't explain this except for that the Holy Spirit of God is here. Why do we get that in those moments, but the rest of, our time it, the, rest of the time it feels like our faith is stale? Because at those places, did the ordinary things consistently. Every morning, the kids did Bible study. Every day, they worshiped God. Every day, they listened to the Word of God. Every day, they, they came with the expectation to meet God. You don't go to a conference and be like, you know, I'm just going to sit there because the seats are comfortable, so I'm going to just sit there for two days. No, you go with the expectation to encounter God. You go with the expectation to grow. You see, when we go with expectation and we put the right ordinary steps in place, guess what? God will feel closer to us. Not because He is closer, because I open myself up to experience who God is. Do you know what happened to Naaman? He had to immerse himself one time. Nothing. Second time, nothing. But he kept immersing himself, and the more he immersed himself, finally God showed up. I want to tell you today, if you're like, I want to go big with my faith, I want to feel that relationship with God, I'm tired of playing religious games. I'm tired of just calling myself a Christian because it's my culture or my tradition. It is not a culture, it's not a tradition, it is a relationship with the living God. And if you're tired of playing those games and you're like, I want to go big with my faith, I want to tell you, it starts by doing the ordinary things. Almost every single revival, great awakening in the world, where God's Spirit moved in such a way that cities changed, the countries changed, that the world was never left the same. You can go and read about the great awakenings in Wales, where judges were given white gloves because they had no more court cases. Where police choirs started because they had no more crime to fight, so the only thing they could do was crowd control, and the only place where crowds gathered was to worship God. So the police says, we might as well go and like start a choir there. That's the kind of revivals I'm talking about, and it literally happened throughout the ages in almost every generation. Every time when those great awakenings started, it was on the back, it was riding on the back of a couple of people who did the ordinary thing by praying and seeking God and saying like, God, this is not enough, we want more. It didn't come on, on big miracles, it didn't come on big preachers, it came on the backs of people who prayed. And then the big things came. If you're like, I want to do something more, I'm going to tell you like, keep immersing yourself Keep doing the little things over and over again because those little things, every time he went under the water, he was prepared for what God wanted to do in his life. And every time you do the little things over and over, God is preparing you for a radical encounter with him. And the Bible talks about these little things so many times. 
It talks about how we should read God's word. Why? In, in 2 Timothy 3, 3 verse 16, he talks about how it prepares us to live the life and he rebukes wrong teaching and he does all these good things for us. But we're not spending time in the word of God. Sometimes we go like this, right? Like flip it open and we're like, pick that verse and read one verse and, and we're done. That's not immersing yourself in, in the word. The Bible talks about praying, about talking to God. That's going to be our third series. We're going to do a whole series about prayer and it's going to be awesome. But prayer is just simple. It's talking to God. Reading your Bible and prayer is like sitting across your wife from, from a dinner table and saying, like, let's have a conversation. That's, that's devotional time. The Bible talks about getting together here on a Sunday. In Hebrews um, 10 verse 24, it, it tells us don't stay away from this because here we encourage each other. But then it's like, oh, I had such a tough week. I'm just going to sleep late this morning. This is going to be like, uh, I, I might come again in a month. But I was like, don't stay away. Don't stay away from the groups. It's like when you are together, that's where you find healing. That's where you keep each other accountable. That's where you break with sin. It's like there's power when we are together because we keep each other accountable. And the Bible tells us to do these little things, but we're like, no, when I've got time, I will, I will think about doing them. That's why our faith stale. That's why faith goes powerless because we don't do the little things. Just as Naaman's pride got in the way, it's like I'm too important for someone to send a slave out to, to talk to me. We feel like we're too important to do the little things. We're too important for God to speak to the word through me. Like if God wants to speak to me, I need to see a hand on the wall or I need to hear a voice right now. It's like do the little thing first. Listen to the servant before you listen to my voice. Our time gets in the way. We've got time for everything except for God. I'm like, I don't have time to wash myself seven times. I already washed myself once this morning. Like, come on. Like, how should I find time for all of this? Just as his pride got in his way, he, he didn't just have, he, he, just, he didn't just need healing of his leprosy. He needed healing in his heart. His pride needed to be taken away. And I want to tell you, I believe that for most of us, we need some pride taken away. Because God despises the proud, but He loves the humble. Especially for us as men, like our egos are big, man. Even if we say they're small, we can't help it. We're born with it, right? That's our sinful nature. We need to downscale a bit on the pride. We need to make God a priority. We need to schedule Him in. Don't be like Naaman. With your pride, with your time, with whatever gets in the way. Because He could have missed His miracle. Because they have missed his encounter with God. Luckily, he had a servant that asked him this question. It's like, why will you jump for the extraordinary, but you won't jump for the ordinary? It's like, why do you keep going to a conference? Why do you keep going to camps? Why do you keep jumping from one church to another, hoping that the Spirit would move some, somewhere, that you would feel on this high, that you would feel like your faith has power, like you're floating on, on a cloud, and you feel like so super good because you had an encounter with God? It's like, why do you jump for those things, but you can't do the simple things? Is your relationship with God in order for it to be constant? Like, we can have highs, and there might be lows, but if our relationship is like this, there's no stability. That's a roller coaster. That's not what Christianity is about. Christianity should be something stable, like a relationship with a husband and a wife. And, and, and a little bit of an up there, we're like, God, thank you for this amazing miracle. And then there might be a little bit of a low where you feel like you're going through a desert time. But we should just be above that stable curve. And that curve only comes when we say, like, I'm not just going to live for the extraordinary. I'm going to choose to live for the ordinary. 
So we're saying go big. We're saying yes, expect more from God. We're saying that God can multiply what you have to something big, but it all starts with saying yes to the small things. Listen to what Jesus said in Luke 16, 16, verse 10 to 11. Jesus said this, If you are faithful in little things, guess what? You'll be faithful in large things. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with great responsibilities. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? So this is basically what Jesus is saying, Naaman, if you cannot be faithful in dipping yourself in the, Jordan, in, the, in the dirty Jordan River seven times, how can I trust you with healing? God is like, if you cannot be faithful with the disciplines of, of, of attending a, a church and of joining a community group and of reading your Bible and spending time in prayer, this is not about legalism. This is about putting healthy habits in place, just as you would eat healthy, just as you would train healthy. If you are not faithful in these little habits in your life, how can I trust you with more? You see, God's Spirit wants to flow through us. And God's Spirit is in us when we accept Jesus. But I always see us as as a gutter. You know a gutter that's supposed to bring all the rain down? But then you've got a tree that starts like dropping leaves. And the leaves start filling up in the gutters. That is sin in our lives. That's mistakes we make. That's things we do that move us away from God. But when we clear them out, when we do these daily habits, we clear out all this junk. And then when the water comes, it can flow freely through us. But when this gutter starts building up all this gunk inside, when our hearts grow dark with, with pride and with dishonesty and with all these things, And the water comes, guess where it's going? It's not going through this gutter because it's all blocked up. Don't be so blocked up that God's Spirit cannot work through you. That you miss the miracles. You're like, Louis, man, I've been trying to be faithful. I've been trying to to be faithful, but it's like, I'm reading my Bible, I'm praying, but still nothing is happening. Like, what do you, what do you have to say for me? I'm going to say, maybe you're on step four or step five. Because a fresh revelation of God might be seven steps away. We don't know when God will make a big move in our lives. We don't know when God will choose to heal us. We don't know when God will choose to, to rescue our marriage. We don't know when God will repair that relationship. But what I do know is it might just be seven steps away. You see, Naaman didn't dip once, and he was like, whoa, my finger grew back. Dip twice, like second finger back. Dip three times. Oh, my skin, like some of the bumps all away. He dipped himself, and nothing happened. Only after the seventh dip, he had his skin as clean as a child. And I want to tell you today, if you're like, I've been trying to be faithful, but still I feel like there's a ceiling when I'm praying to God. I've been trying to be faithful, but still nothing seems to be going on in my spiritual life. I want to tell you, you might be at dip number four. Just continue going. Because Naaman continued to go. And finally, his miracle came. Finally, his encounter with God came. Every time you read your Bible, every time you pray, every time you come to a service, every time you decide to serve, every time you're part of a community group, every time you give to God, every time you share your faith, every time you do those simple spiritual disciplines, 
you are choosing to position yourself for a miracle. You're choosing to position yourself for an encounter with God. So don't stop. You might just be two dips away. Imagine if we put in the same effort into our relationship with God that we put into insignificant things. To the series we binge watch, to the gardens we take care of so well, parts we wash so often, whatever your thing might be, sports you love to do. Imagine we put the same effort into our relationship with God. The whole time, the little things, the, the, every dip in the river was preparing Naaman to walk away with a fresh revelation of God. He didn't walk away thinking that he met a magician. He didn't walk away thinking that he met a miracle worker. He walked away knowing that he met the living God. This man came out of the river and he said, surely there is no other God except for Yahweh, except for the God of Israel. When we keep dipping ourselves, we're setting ourselves up. We're preparing ourselves to walk away with a fresh revelation of the living God. I want to tell you that moment when he came out of that river and he realized that, that is worth way more than his health, health ever was. Because our health is temporary anyway. Our relationship with God is eternal. Don't be so consumed with quick fixes. Don't be so consumed with you want to snap your fingers and God needs to jump. That you miss the little steps he wants you to put in place in your life. Quick fixes are often temporary fixes. That's the camp we go to and we're like, oh, I experienced God, and then you're gone. Build the small steps into your life. Don't miss the big things God wants to do in your life because you do not do the little things through which he prepares you. I want to close with this. With those words of Jesus. If you're not faithful in the little things, how can you be trusted with the big things? And I hope that you're here today because like me, you're like, I'm tired of playing religious games. I'm tired of saying I'm a Christian, but I don't see anything behind it. And if you're like that and you're like, I want to go big in my faith, I want to go to the next level First, start to be faithful in the little things. So I want to challenge you for the next two weeks. We've got two weeks left of our, our Go Big series. Two weeks. So I want to challenge you for the next two weeks. You say, like, I'm going to make a commitment. I'm going to set an alarm when I walk out of this building today. I'm going to set an alarm each day. That might be in the morning. That might be in the evening. But I'm going to make a commitment for two weeks. That's 14 days. It's double the name and dips. For two weeks, I'm going to set alarm to every day read my Bible. If you're like, I don't know what to read, download the YouVision Bible app and just read any of the devotionals. You pick one. You just pick one. It will open up every day. It will tell you, like, you didn't read your devotional today. And like, oh, shucks, let me read it now. You start at the book of Mark, beautiful book about the life of Jesus. Start at the book of John. You just read a chapter a day. You make a commitment to say, for the next two weeks, I'm going to read and I'm going to allow God to speak through me to his word. For the next two weeks, after every time I've read, I'm going to pray and I'm going to speak to God. For the next two weeks, I'm going to be in church. For the next two weeks, I'm going to make a choice to be faithful in the little things. And this is how much confidence I have in God. I believe that if you give your two weeks, God will show up. 
Naaman did his seven dabs and God showed up. And God will show up in your life if you need God, if you want more of God and you're willing to do the little things, he will show up. And if you're still like, but I don't know how to read my Bible. I don't even know if I'm a Christian. I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to put the little steps in place. Guess what? We've got you sorted. On Tuesday evening, we've got our step into faith class. Simple. Tuesday evening, 6.30 to 9. Not that long because we eat in between, because we love to to eat. But 6.30 to 9, we're going to give you practical tools. What does it mean to follow Jesus? How do I read my Bible? Nothing complicated. I like practical things. I like stuff I can do. I don't like weird things that, that sounds really cool, but I can't do them. How do I read my Bible? How do I pray? And we're going to talk about baptism as well, if you haven't been baptized yet. So we're going to talk about these basic first steps, the little things we can do in our faith. So if you are like in for the two-week challenge, and you want to start with our Step Into Faith class, afterwards at our connection table right behind this door, there's a sign-up sheet. Please make sure you sign up because we have to book for um, how many people are going to be here with the hotel, and we need to know if there's children that we need to um, take care of. So please make sure that you book after the service, and then you are all set and ready for your two weeks challenge. Immersing yourself, God will show up. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. But when we are faithful in little things, show up in a big way. And you don't need us to show up. You didn't need Paul to put the right things in place before you showed up and you revealed yourself to him. And you can reveal yourself to anyone here today. And I pray, Lord, that if anyone needs to have a fresh revelation of you today, I pray that you would reveal yourself in a way to them that they cannot deny. In a way that name and experience you, that we would have an experience of you. But I pray, Lord, above all, that you would give us a self-discipline to be faithful in the little things because we know if we're faithful in the little things, you can trust us with much. We want to be faithful as a church, Lord. We want to be faithful as people that follow Jesus. May we be faithful in our time with you. May we be faithful in sharing what you did in our lives. May we be faithful in everything we do, in our giving, in our worship, in everything we do. And may you reveal your greatness to us in a way we've never seen, in a way we've never experienced before. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.